The date is Friday, January 28th, and you're listening to Entertain This, a thought-provoking podcast encapsulating all things entertainment. On this episode, we'll be discussing Disney's latest release, Encanto, with a special guest. We'll delve into each of the characters and what they might represent on a psychological level. So enjoy. Please note, the information given on this podcast is not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you feel you need that, seek out a medical professional or a licensed therapist. It's what I love about Fridays, a new entertain dish to play. You got a new thing on your Spotify mm. or your Apple Music if you listen to that. You guys remember that country song? Nope. It's like, it's what I love about <laughs> no. Sundays. No, and I, I like, don't remember, go. but I do feel like I just need like a cooler full of like Keystone Light in the back <laughs> of a truck. With the logo facing out. You grew up in a different country than I did because <laughs> here it was throwing your Bud Light cans into the lake while you were fishing. Mm. <laughs> you were like, I'm going to catch fish and also ruin this lake simultaneously. There's <laughs> a very weird dichotomy that was going on. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Friday's here. And with Friday, the return of the, the three wise men. The three ignorant men, I think, yeah. is what we should brand <laughs> <Yeah>. ourselves. <laughs> Nobody's uh, wise. <laughs> as always, it's your favorite show on the internet encapsulating all things entertainment. Let's entertain this. Entertain this. As always, I'm Alex. <laughs> I'm Michael. <laughs> and I'm Nick. And boys, you know, I feel like I took all of my energy I had for the cold open and I threw it into that opening bit. Mm. But we got a lot to kind of go over today anyway. Yeah. So we'll cut the cold open short because uh, it's the last Friday mm-hmm. of the month. Mm-hmm. It's our first last Friday of the month in the year 2022 wow. of our Lord. Year what does of our it mean? Lord 2022. And that means, of course, Nick, thank you so much for asking, you polite little boy. Um, it means, of course, it's a guest episode, mm-hmm. as, as it always has been, as it always will be. We bring on a special guest, someone who has a, 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 some form of knowledge that just we will never be able to present. Uh, someone with life experience that maybe we don't have. Mm. Somebody just with a different point of view that uh, that we don't have to bring on to the podcast and shine a little light on a situation for us. And boy, howdy, we got a fan favorite. Someone who's been on the show not once, but twice. And who has invited us on to a number of projects, uh, a true collaborator, uh, a, a good friend of mine, not only that, my brother-in-law, uh, Mr. Devin Walker. Welcome to the show. Hey, hey. welcome. There he is. What's going on, hey, guys? What's up? There he is. Not much, man. Nothing much. This is your third stint on Entertain This. What is that? Am I, am I holding a record of uh, guest appearances so far? I think you are. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So yeah, this, this, no, hold on. You are tied with tied Nick Wolf. With who? That's right. That's right. Nick Wolf without and the, the reason e. is because okay. you were both on the our second Star Wars extravaganza. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's okay. what tied it up. So so I need you guys. To, okay, I'll t- I'll take the time. I was expecting first, but I'll take well, the time. Hold on. So. I think I think actually now that I do the like mental math, I think that what about Chloe? Chloe is an actual Chloe is member a permanent of the member. She's a cast. Mm. She's a cast member. Get out of here. 
Um, <laughs> but once I once I do the mental math, I think Devin like wins by just a hair because he is technically a part of every single episode. Mm, that's uh, a good uh, point. Uh, 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 that is a good hey. fucking point. Uh, At first, okay. I was like, so mm. so when you <laughs> guys like, when whenever you guys have the entertainers award show, I just kind of expect some type of. You know, like Dundee Award or something for them. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Our 100th episode is coming up quick, mm-hmm. guys. So oh, this nice. is episode. Nice. This show. is episode 98. Wow. Award show. 98. <laughs> award show? That'd be sick. Wow. <laughs> the the entertainees. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Actually, that that's actually yeah. That works on a few yeah. levels. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It sure does. Well, I'm sure that our listeners are just itching to find out what it is we're talking about today, because as you all know, uh, or as you may have realized, I introduced uh, our guest here as Devin instead of uh, how I usually would introduce him as DJW. Mm -hmm. And there's a good reason to that. Devin, would you like to explain? Yeah. um, So just like a mass superhero, um, (laughs) DJW is the superhero version of me um that obviously produces music djw mm-hmm. um and then obviously there's the peter parker version of me which is devin walker who um by day is a currently a um aba behavioral therapist and um currently in graduate school for um mental health and psychology so nice Wow. So we're yeah. talking about mental health, we're talking about psychology, and we're going to pull from that uh, from that puddle of knowledge that you have uh, some information on a movie that came out recently, one mm-hmm. that became very popular, and one that I think uh, a therapist could really give a new perspective to. We're talking about the movie Encanto mm-hmm. by Disney and Pixar. So, boys, I, I had you all watch Encanto this week <laughs> yep if you hadn't seen it already time well spent i even had i even had devin watching kanto yep um which devin says is a feat because i'll let you i'll let you break break this news this breaking news <laughs> because oh, yeah. it's so um, bad i'm not i'm not i'm, I'm usually not no. a fan <laughs> i'm usually not a fan of disney movies um oh, how dare you fair i <sighs> It's not as as a like I said as an artistic creator. I am not going to sit here and say they're terrible and not creative. Um, but not to ramble on. It's just you know I don't know. It's just not my cup of tea. It might if I was to diagnose myself and sit here and give myself a therapy session, I might say it's probably because of the theater kind of presence that's in it like i'm not mm. a big musical person i now again same as a musician <laughs> i have always marveled especially because i cannot do it i have marveled yeah. at theater performers especially how they're able to sing and mind you i'm a musician so i can i know correct pitches how they're able to sing correctly and you know maneuver on stage remember lines interact with i i think that's magnificent i know i can't do it's it. crazy it's just They're talented yeah yeah they they are like it's something that i would never sit there and say well what i do is better than that you know what i mean like mm-hmm. um yeah. it's just, just not pers- your cup of tea like, yeah I don't personally like it's just not my cup of tea yeah so i think that's probably what turns me on most of the time on these types of movies is when it gets to the singing I listen to it as a musician and as a person that loves music. And I'm like, okay, this sounds good. Mm-hmm. But then I'm kind of like, all right, 
you know, after like a minute or so. Can you I guys just talking again? I'm yeah. tired of this. <laughs> yeah, because like the whole yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, because like I'm, the, I'm, the whole musical theater side is something that they like very purposefully do and have been doing since like Snow or yeah, not Snow White. Uh, like late. Mm, mm, Beauty and the Beast. That's the one. No, I okay. did a whole episode <laughs> on this. Yeah, sure did. Yeah, yeah. But like I said, just to just to restate, I'm not hating. Like I don't think it's terrible. It's just not my cup of tea. But if you ask me, any person that can do it, I would say is way more talented than me easily. So throwing it out there. Sure. Mm -hmm. So there's a certain mold, uh, and Michael hit on it in a previous episode with these Disney movies. Uh, there's usually, of course, you know, your antagonist, your, mm -hmm. your hero who goes through a journey. They have something that they want. They try to go out in the world and get it. Mm -hmm. um, eventually, they have to face the antagonist waiting for them back at home. Um, they overcome the antagonist and live happily ever after. That's sort of the pattern that would follow. Would you say, Michael? Yeah. Yeah, that's basically it. And like there's there's like little specificities inside of there that make it like a Disney formula. Mm -hmm. Like uh, like the bad guys, a lot of the times are never truly like bad, like they can be redeemed in some way or there's like the whole side of like the protagonist is missing something and it's them like them trying to find this missing piece of their life. And that's usually the journey they go on. It's like meant to create this sort of like interpersonal journey uh, that it's more so Those not about like the hero's journey in and of itself it's the person growing which is like yes. the, the main point of it i would say uh, the person growing is totally a main point of most disney movies the redeemable hero i would say hunchback that's not true nope. i would say little mermaid that's not true i would say gaston and beauty and the beast that's not true i would say that one's probably a little bit harder to hit on but in this movie most definitely that is the case yeah um but in most Disney movies, I would say that's not the case. But the reason why I'm specifying specifically on that is because for that exact reason, this Disney movie breaks the mold um, because mm. it doesn't have necessarily a villain. Mm -mm. Um, if you think about it, there is conflict, but that conflict in this movie is not somebody causing conflict uh, for nefarious or selfish reasons that the antagonist then has to defeat mm -hmm. uh, or at least not someone clear it seems like this is a very loving family and that the conflict is external which is important uh, because from an outsider's point of view uh, if i were to describe the plot of this movie to you which i will do here in a second with your guys's assistance it seems like the plot is completely external um it's about you know one girl not feeling accepted and seeking that exception because she feels like she's missing something, kind of mm -hmm. like what you said. Um, yeah, like she's inadequate. Like she's inadequate. And in most Disney movies, they would find that thing that makes them adequate or makes them who they are mm -hmm. or they find their true self um, or they accept this flaw about themselves. Right. Uh, and they accept that it is a flaw and that that it even though they have that flaw, it doesn't make them who they are. That's a lot of the time the plot that we see. That is not the case for Encanto. Mm -mm. Um, and we will get into that more with Devin. But first, let's do a brief overview of the plot. So spoilers for Encanto. If you haven't seen it, you should go watch it. It's on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Go check it out. But the basic plot is there is a magical family 
um, who lives in a in a phantasmic uh, Colombian culturally significant place. Um, and they live in a, a beautiful house. The house is magic. The house takes care of them. And every member of this magical family has a gift of some sort, uh, some sort of superpower. Um, and with every generation, uh, they all go through the ceremony of getting their gift and the magic house gives them their room and all the rooms are specifically catered towards their gift. And this magical family uses their gifts to help the town that surrounds them. And the town keeps growing and more people keep moving there because this family is there and they're helping their community. So the community loves this family and this family is seen in as sort of royalty, quote unquote, for this small town, even mm -hmm. though they're not technically royalty. They're just, you know, very good neighbors. Um, so we happen upon our character, our main character. Her name is Mirabel, uh, Mirabel Madrigal. Yep. And... She is uh, a small child who is about to get her powers. She touches the door to get her room and the door vanishes before her eyes. She doesn't get any powers. So now she is the black sheep in a flock of very powerful people mm -hmm. who are all special in their own ways. And she's basically told, hey, I'm sorry, but you didn't get powers. You're just not special like the rest of us. We still love you. But because you didn't get powers, you're not going to be treated as well as everybody else's. Yeah. Um, and the plot kind of continues from there. Yeah. Kind of uh, kind of like a big thing that goes on top of that. Like it takes a long time until another person even attempts to get new powers, which is kind yeah. of where things pick back up. And so they're like, even from the very get go, like there's this overarching tension of like, is this just is the magic just run out? Mm -hmm. or is, and that and that is the launching point mm -hmm. because yeah, the little boy knocks on the door and he's like i hope i'm gonna get powers yeah, i forget pico. the little boy's name mm -hmm. pico. pico oh that's pico. funny because that's that's small in spanish i think or pequeño is small in spanish yeah pico um, is related to that in some way but anyway his, name, his, his name's antonio right? oh antonio yeah oh sorry oh, pico antonio. is his toucan yes <laughs> <laughs> you can see my confusion <laughs> okay yeah so antonio knocks on the door and he's like, hey, can I get some powers? <laughs> he, he touches the doorknob and his, you know, his powers show themselves. He's able to speak to animals. There you go. Um, yeah. Eliza now, this means, <laughs> this means for, for Mirabelle, oh, I'm the problem. Yeah. Like, like this, that this is a problem in. only for me. Oh, I'm the problem. Yeah. And so she seeks out to find out what's wrong with her. Um, and she finds out that a family member who... Uh, has long since been forgotten, has basically divorced himself from the family, so people say, uh, once had a, Bruno. a premonition, <laughs> once had a premonition about her, and um, she seeks out to find out what that premonition was, and in doing so finds out that the magic is dying, and that um, they're about to lose all their powers, and their house is crumbling, mm -hmm. And since she's the only one who knows this information, it's quite possible she's the only one who can save the house. Well, and the big thing, and too, the big thing, too, is that the premonition is also saying that it's Maribel's fault. Yes, that's mm -hmm. true. It's also saying, well, not that it's her fault. But she's the one who causes so it. She is the center of it. Yeah, she. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like later on, mm -hmm. they eventually find out like through Bruno that she's either going to be the person who can save it or is going to break it. Yeah. And it's it's up in the air as to which 
Um, but I, that's as much plot as I want to give. I think we need to do a character breakdown yeah. with DJW now to really start getting <laughs> into some of the nitty gritties of what's happening in this movie. So that is the plot from an outsider's perspective. Now, Devin, if you want to give us a kind of therapist's approach as to what's happening in this movie. Um, yeah. So what I took um, from it, I kind of, you know, took some notes as I was watching it is basically, as you said, the um, in the beginning, we see the grandmother experiences the trauma, which was losing her husband. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what I picked up on kind of being aware of, I need to look at this from a psychological perspective is in it, you see the scene where the husband gets presumably killed by the man pursuing right. him. And then she she weeps. So she experiences the trauma. And then a house is built. That house, the magic house, the house of magic is built, you know, around her, sheltering her and everyone else. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's a representation of, you know, your encounter a person encounters a trauma, a family member, a previous family member in another gen- in a generation before you encounters trauma and they deal with it by building some type of house. The house can come in different forms. Sometimes that house is ignoring a problem. Um, sometimes that house is being overly cautious the rest of their life. So mm-hmm. like very antsy, you know, like, oh yeah. my gosh, it, the worst of everything is going to happen. Like they just assume the work. You know what I mean? Like it's different forms of trauma. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like, like the foundation of the house. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. exactly. So to me, the house in the movie represents the foundation of the trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what you see is like you guys were explaining earlier, you know, the all the generations afterwards are getting their gifts. To me, I feel like it's arguable that you can look at that and also say the family is inheriting the trauma. They're inheriting the gift. They're inheriting mm-hmm. the trauma. And you have the granddaughter that so doesn't is the get gift it. trauma. Then, if we're gonna, I, I gonna... think I think in a way yes, because the okay. gift, the so how I look at it is the gift did so the house did protect the family for mm-hmm. x yeah, amount of time, true. right? I mean, there are cases where so take a person who experiences their okay. Um, Bringing a superhero, another fictional character into Batman. <laughs> yeah, we love it. That's he experienced his parent. He experienced oh, yeah. his parents getting killed. So then that trauma led him to make to say, "I'm going to make sure this si- no one in this city experiences that." Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now that's a gift because without that, you wouldn't have Batman. Without Batman, you point. wouldn't have so right. many other good things. With that, though, there are a huh. lot of issues that comes with being Batman. You're cut off. You know, yeah. think about there are several times where it's an issue because he can't connect with other team members, you know, and while he's saving the day, it's arguable that at the same time, you know, it's kind of like you you could almost say it's 50-50. Right. Um, yeah. That's, so really, I that's think, really interesting because yeah. like, it's like for me, like I have ADHD and mm-hmm. It's one of those things like there's parts of ADHD, which like in a way is kind of a superpower. Like I get like I can hyper focus on things for hours on end and be incredibly productive at very select moments that I can't control. But like along with that, 
superpower quote unquote comes mm-hmm. all the other shit with adhd like i can't concentrate i i can't focus i can only do things that actually spark interest in me i have like zero discipline and i can't follow through on things yeah and it's like yeah like no i totally get that that's really cool that's a really good observation yeah it's just kind of strange to look at trauma being you know trauma is a bad thing right mm-hmm. i think we can all agree on that but the old saying of uh, every cloud have a, has a silver lining kind of comes into play here too. Cause you don't have to just have this bad thing. You can somehow turn it into a, a good thing if given enough time. Right. And if that house I, is really a good thing in the end, I don't know. So I think that at least talking from this metaphor and as far as we've gotten so far with Abuela, um, I think that her trauma is causing her to like, take on this matriarchal position where like she has to protect Mm -hmm. and she wants everybody to be provided for. So they never want again because it was those things that she didn't have that caused her to flee with her husband in the first place and eventually lost him. Exactly. Um, And that's why she like brings in the people in the town so that nobody is left forgotten. Nobody's left unguarded. Um, And she actually doesn't have superpowers, even though the rest of the family does. Her power is like being able to (laughs) being able to meticulously control Every situation. I've got a theory on that. That's interesting. I've got a theory that the house (laughs) is technically her power. There is also a theory that the house is technically her husband. Hmm. There's um, that. Yeah. Which is, which is different. Yeah. But uh, I don't know if the house is her power because then it kind of implicates, it implies that she has control over the house, which she does not. I, I, the, I, for me, it's the house being there is technically her power. It's like her, yeah, okay. her matriarchal, matriarchal sense of protection and duty to the community and her family takes the physical form of a house that can provide anything and everything for everyone. Yeah. But she's the also very magical. Yeah. So she is also very commanding over like, her family members and what they do mm-hmm. and how they live their lives and what is to be expected of them. I think that's her power is that she has power over the people with powers. Um, <laughs> and she uses it for, you know, quote unquote good. But in the long run, what she's doing is she's fulfilling her own desires in providing protection and making sure to avoid situations that could lead to the trauma she already experienced. Right. That's like her big thing is avoiding the trauma that she already experienced and avoiding things that um, could lead to that trauma again, or could even just spark that same feeling of trauma in her. Right. Cause like technically throughout this movie, the grandma is the villain. Like she's, she serves as the villain figure throughout it as the person who centralizes all of like Maribel's anxieties and, like her own it's, trauma, it's like she feels. I think to me, it's feel. It seems like she feels most of that coming from her grandma. Sure, I could see that. I think it's also like a little bit of classic misdirection that the movie throws at you. They're like, "Oh, Bruno, oh Bruno." Yeah, yes, yeah, so it's very blatant guy. misdirection. But <laughs> and then, oh, it's abuela. <laughs> oh, I no. wouldn't say it's all abuela because, oh the entire family has moments where they look down yeah. on Maribel for not having powers. Right. But where does that all stem from? Grandma, you know, it, <laughs> that's well, kind of why we brought Devin. The thing with biological and, and family inherited trauma is so I'll give you guys a quick case study. So there was a 
grandmother that had a miscarriage with her husband, right? Mm-hmm. She immediately after the miscarriage, because they, her, her and her husband were dealing with grief and were just so distraught, the only thing that they could think of was, well, let's have another kid. They mm-hmm. immediately, as soon as she was able to, they tried for another kid within a year, had another kid, right? Mm-hmm. The kid had, the kid grew up to have everything. Like the kid was supported, you know, never felt distressed. That kid grew up to have the grandmother's granddaughter. And then that granddaughter went to therapy because was having life issues from being distant, being cut off, um, being very short tempered with people. So she's working with the therapist and, you know, she's just like it just randomly started with her at 25. So then Mm -hmm. finally, the therapist goes back and it's like, okay, well, let's dive into your family. And turns out they finally hit a point where she's like, well, talk to me about your grandma. And she's like, well, my mom always tells me that my grandma had a miscarriage at 25, but I was never allowed to learn about like that's all they told. me. So diving mm-hmm. deep into that and then her, you know, finally confronting her mom, her grandmother had already passed. Turns out that connection was made that even though the mom, quote unquote, was protected from the trauma because it was really unresolved from the grandmother and that a Band-Aid was just essentially put on it, but it was still a traumatic event. The grandmother did raise two good, you know, human beings from her genes, but that trauma was passed down. And it and that's the thing about it. Biological trauma can be the next generation. It can be four generations after that. And the thing about it is it typically shows around the age that the of the person who the original trauma, you know, was. So if you're 50 and you experience it and it gets passed down, most likely your great, great grandkids, if it's unresolved, someone, one of them at the age of 50, something's just going to switch in them. Um, I, so that's why I think it's funny. It's like calling Abuela the villain because it's not, not really yeah. um, because she, she dealt with the, she dealt with trauma the best she could. Right. It's more so diving in, um, which in the end she realized what she did was wrong. Right. Um, so I would say it was course corrected, but I mean, statistically, I mean, if you kind of look at it, kind of not dealing with that trauma and just being like, Oh, this protects us. This is safe. Well, we saw two generations later. Yeah. That's where it kind of, struck that issue again yeah know? and when, so, when, yeah. when i say that like abuela is the the villain i'm i'm meaning that in like a very non-traditional sense like in this case mm-hmm. i'm meaning oh, yeah. that in the sense Big of like time. that she is like this like because she's the first person who experienced the trauma and puts those pressures on everyone else and is like working through her own stuff throughout this movie just because she's not like doing bad things to Mirabelle directly doesn't make her not a villain. It's yeah. She was an I would hesitate the to evil use person, that. Right? Yeah, yeah. I would it's, hesitate to use the term villain. I'm, at uh, yeah. All. I'm talking more in the sense of like a hero's, like a hero's journey, like di- classical <laughs> the, the Disney. Anti-hero. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> I think that's the, that's what's so impressive about this movie is it you can make it fit that mold, but it's not made to fit that. mold. It's not. No, it is. You can try. It is, I mean. <laughs> it is meant to be a story that is like conflict in movies are so easy to follow and so easily resolved mm-hmm. because it is so black and white. There's good, there's evil, good defeats evil. That's the way it's meant to be. 
We saw that in Hercules. You know, we see it in Beauty and the Beast. We see it in Hunchback. We see it over and over again, these Disney movies. There is no evil in Encanto. There is only trauma and missteps. Yeah. There is only people doing their best with a bad situation and just taking the wrong routes through it. Uh, And because of that, they may be seen as a villain. They may be villainized. Um, But ultimately, it's nobody's fault. It's the fault of just bad coping mechanisms and doing your best with a bad situation. I guess really, Um, really the villains are the people who like light their old village on fire. (laughs) Just just for the sake of watching. If there there was a if there was a villain to point to, the villain would be the mirage of people who kill her husband as he's crossing the river mm-hmm. yes because that, that is what activated the trauma yeah if yeah. there was a villain it would be them it's, it's almost like this is a movie about like the grandkids of a disney hero yeah Ooh, that's yeah, spicy I, I follow that yeah. um but more importantly i think it's just a movie about real people yeah and and real struggles that people really face and yes it has magical themes to kind of help get that point across but Ultimately, um, it's about trauma and how trauma affects others. It could uh, just as easily be a film with no superpowers whatsoever. It would still be exactly the same, mm-hmm. if you ask it'd me. It'd be a little bit more adult-themed, I think, but yes. Because yes. <laughs> um, you have to sprinkle I talk, in that magical coding on there to make the kids go watch it. So so we know we know that out of everybody, the person who's coping the worst here is Abuela. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about Abuela's kids yeah. um, for, first, then we'll talk about the grandkids. Because they each have their own powers, and with their own powers comes their own problems. Um, And I think maybe Devin can give me some insight into this, but I think that with the three children that Abuela had, there are three different ways that she coped with the trauma in those three kids, um, which we can kind of see. Mm -hmm. Who are the three kids again? Remind me, what are their names? Bruno, uh, Mirabelle's mom, and then the one who controls the weather. (laughs) Was that, oh, is that the three of them? Yeah. Those are Abuela's kids. Yes. Okay. So we okay. have we have Angie, we have Bruno, mm-hmm. and then um trying to remember the third one's uh, Car- Carolina. Who what was the one with the weather, the the storm cloud? What is her Carolina. power? What she can power control though? the weather. Oh, okay. She can just control the the actual She can control the weather. That's yeah, her, that's based, her based, on her based on our mood. Yeah. yeah. Based on our mood. Well, she's yeah. able to control the weather. However, when she loses her temper, mm-hmm. she can still control the weather, but it gets out of control. Okay. So she can make okay. a sunny day happen Ooh. on command if she's focusing, right. but if she gets too emotional, then she loses control gotcha. and a hurricane happens. So what what could that mean um, from a from a psychological perspective? Because all I saw was just like, oh, she has a storm cloud over her head. I don't. That's she not really a power, is, I guess. <laughs> she is riddled with anxiety. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's an issue. I'm yeah. interested to hear what, like, you would think Mirabelle's mom's, like, what her deal is. Because, like, from an outsider looking in, like, to me, it seems like she's got things pretty good. Like, she's got her, like, mom to deal with, and she's got a daughter that doesn't have powers, but, like, she seems like she's got the best grasp on things and is, like, doing so a great job. That's Angie Sapita, who is, uh, she plays Julieta Madrigal. That's the character's name. Gotcha. She's the one that bakes the bread and makes people heal. Yep. She can heal people with yes. her food. Pretty good power. I did that. 
I'm going to take another jump on this and see if Devin has anything to add to it. But isn't there a sort of coping with, uh, you know, parents where you kind of overcorrect and you have to be the fixer? From like the every problem, like the kid trying to fix the parents. Yeah. Problem? So like every yeah. so the kid's like, OK, well, right now my mom's upset. So I'm going to fix it so that she stops being upset and takes on that responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, when it comes to uh, biological inherited family trauma, there's actually four unconscious themes. Um, and the first one is uh, you merge with the parent. The second one is you reject the parent. Um, the fourth one is having an ex- experiencing a break in the early bond with um, the mother. And then the fourth one is um, identifying identifying with a member of your family system that's other than your parents. So that particular scenario would hit the first one, which is merged with the parent. Mm. So you have, you know, a family system and the kid grows up with the, the kid through their experiences feels like, okay, I can recognize that, you know, this is wrong or something's going on, I have to fix it. By fixing it, that helps my parent be happy, which will help them be happy with me. If they're not, if it's not fixed and they're upset, that ultimately that child is not getting, they're missing something. They're missing some connect and how their mind develops is, okay, well, the best thing I can do is take on that weight with them. The issue that happens with that, though, is typically what we find is when a child approaches that scenario, well, they might feel like, you know, up until they're in a later adulthood, they did it right. You know, they fixed everything right. But then what you see is in their adulthood, when they're on their own, a lot of anxiety issues, a lot of freaking out a lot. Of course, I should say, quote unquote, freaking out because I, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't want to put an exact label on that um, and just say whatever someone's doing is freaking out. But you see, those are typically a lot of tendencies you see. And it comes from, you know, as a kid, you had to take on that step up. So now when you, as an adult and you're experiencing like yourself and you have kids yourself, you're, you never really learn how to cope with it yourself because you were too busy taking on that, sharing those parental responsibilities as a child. So as I'm kind of thinking yeah. over the cast and like the characters in Encanto, I'm slowly realizing that their superpowers are also just like representations of how to deal with trauma, which is wild. Like, mm-hmm. for example, isn't, isn't, yeah, that's like the, the anxiety, the, <laughs> the anxiety uh, is like the controlling the weather because, yeah, she has this great power, but she's always losing control of it. And it's always stressing her out and it's always ruining everything. And she always feels terrible that it's ruining everything. Yeah, and as a byproduct, and Abuela's it like, like stresses other people in the family out. Abuela's like, Ooh. stop doing this. And she's like, I'm trying. And that makes it worse. That's like the anxiety triggered by trauma. Mm-hmm. And then like, the, of course, the healing with a meal. She's always quiet and she's always trying to fix everything. She's always giving Maribel advice and trying to make things better. She's trying to make people better. Um, you know, that kind of goes with what Devin was just talking about. And then, of course, we have Bruno and Bruno is that disconnect where it's like he can see what's going to happen before it's happening. So there's like a level of anxiety there mm-hmm. where it's like, Oh, I know the bad stuff that's going to happen before it's going to happen. So I'm going to react in that way. And that stresses people out. Um, But ultimately, he detaches from Abuela and disappears, 
right um, and divorces the family yeah i don't know the big thing about bruno though isn't i don't know it is more so with how people view his foresight into things not necessarily like his actual like foresight into the thing like the whole the whole idea of like him telling like another villager oh tomorrow your goldfish is gonna die it's like people then blame bruno (laughs) for the goldfish dying it's like yeah it's it's more of an omen right and so like for bruno it was like he can see the writing on the wall like he he can see what is going to happen with mirabelle and this is going to be a breaking point figure figuratively and physically and can i throw something in and just see where you sit with it what if Bruno is sort of a depressive state of thinking, well, I know what's going to happen before it happens. I'm just going to separate myself from everybody so they don't have to deal with me. It's, he could be kind of an Eeyore character in that regard. Yeah. Like, I, what do you oh, think? Just what do you think, Devin? Terribly anyways, who cares? Um, I think that's a fair statement to say. Um, my personally, my take on bruno was i think again like we've all can agree he's a version of that trauma passed down and that's a that's a side of i would say you know like a person that their way of dealing with trauma is like alex was just saying pretty much just avoiding it yeah you know it's not it's not that it's not that because he obviously like i would say being able to see into the future you're probably the most equipped out of all of your siblings to deal with trauma because Mm -hmm. if i could see into the future you know i would tell you right now like one of my things obviously is i feel like i would use it for is for like my family and friends like obviously use it for yourself but if like if i knew they were in trouble we all would think you know we would reach out to them and be like, hey, it's gonna happen, right? Which, but, which is what we find out is what Bruno yeah. was trying to do, like right, throughout right, everything exactly, in right. his life. But like, it's that yeah. last stage where it's like, I see this breaking moment; it's inevitable. I'm just gonna completely avoid it, and that way, but, like, you know, no one's gonna blame me for it. Like, if maybe right. I am the problem, maybe I am the problem. I'm just gonna run away, and if and if no one has to deal with me, maybe it won't happen. But if you're abuela, then the last thing that you want is for someone to tell you that something's going to go wrong. If your thing is making sure nothing ever goes wrong again, Mm -hmm. then the guy who comes up to you and is like, hey, this thing is about to happen. You're going to be like, no, it's not. You're going to get very aggressive with them and be like, I can stop that from happening. So stop telling people that that's going to happen. Yeah. Like that's her entire life's goal is to protect the family from further trauma happening. And here's Bruno. He's like, hey. Things, bad things are going to happen. Yeah. So of course she's going to get angry. Like that's like, that's like saying that, uh, uh, it activates the defense mechanism or something like that. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is, which is what she does when Mirabelle is like, Hey, the house is breaking. Things are cracking. Things are going wrong. And she's like, no, 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 no. And she's still like, I can fix it. And that's what ultimately causes like the big break is Mirabelle going like, Hey, this is happening right now. And she's like, well, you're the one who's causing it. And Mirabelle's like, no, it's you. Yep, and like yep. that's the moment that it kind of hits but we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves one, one thing i um, think that is important to like point out about bruno though is that like one of the ahead. things like mirabelle notices the house is cracking the, like everything is breaking bruno's mm-hmm. the one who behind the scenes is trying to fix everything oh <laughs> he's very pressuring good up point. the walls yeah. from like the 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 inside yeah, yeah, the yeah. outside inside the, the inside, inside yeah, the yeah, yeah. yeah there we go okay yeah he's the, doing it completely unseen not taking any credit like he's just trying to like hold everything together as long as it can. And he still loves his family and craves that acceptance from mm-hmm. them, which I think is important, even though it Good seems like, 
even though it seems like he has separated from the family and is no longer a part of it, he does still desperately crave that yeah. family bond. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk briefly about the two people who marry into the family um, yes. that we know of. Because I think that's important. I think it's important to note that the person who heals people falls in love and marries what is equal to like a an accident prone buffoon. He's, he's like constantly getting G. stung. He's the he's man. Great. He's great, <laughs> but he constantly keeps getting stung by bees. He's never watching out for himself. So she made a bond with someone who she knew she could help or who she knew she could kind of fix yeah which yeah. i think has has some sort of a mental health uh root in it oh but god the moment that he stands up to abuela though and is like mm. like i'm trying to fix it well Abuela's like i'm trying to hold this family together and he's like stop coming after my daughter like yeah Ooh. yeah that's that's huge <laughs> that's like a oh, thing yeah. where it's like i had a moment where i was like that hit hard mm-hmm. <laughs> good guy i mean if you've been through any sort of a family spat like that those moments feel very good when like they're like stop coming after your own family but i think there is something to be said about both the daughters who are the only two who got married bruno did not Mm -hmm. um seem to have been attracted towards people who gave them what abuela wouldn't so for the girl who heals people with her food um julieta she married someone who was constantly appreciative of her actions. She would help him and he would deliver like love in return for that. Mm-hmm. Something that Abuela never did. Meanwhile, um, Peppa, who controls the weather, is constantly getting um, love from her husband, constantly getting approval, constantly getting support. He loves it when it rains, when she makes it rain. She like... Um, yeah. When it rains on their wedding day, one of his kind of throwaway lines is, what a glorious day. But anyway, we don't talk about Bruno. Like, it was a beautiful day. Mm-hmm. Like, it rained and I loved it. It was great. Yeah. Um, the person with the, he, the daughter with the most anxiety marries the most chill person in the world. <laughs> yes. Well, she Love has that. anxiety and was always being kind of pushed down for her powers, never being accepted or supported by Abuela, instead kind of being told, like, hide your powers. They don't help anybody or they cause more problems. She married somebody who gave her what Abuela never would, which was that acceptance and approval for what she was. Yeah. I feel like that's important to hit on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I you guess know? you kind of find that in couples, too. Not all the time, of course, but you always have somebody that's like the yin and then you have somebody that's the the yang that kind of balances out in some ways mm-hmm. in other ways not so much opposites attract sometimes you yeah know. <laughs> which is so funny because then you like this is getting a little ahead of ourselves but then you think back to like the perfect daughter who is going to marry the perfect guy and mm-hmm. it's like they're they're the exact same essentially the same person like and it's yeah, like that can be problematic. And that yeah. is like, I don't want this. Like I, she, she's even like, I do not want this. I'm just doing this because that's what I feel like I have to do, but that's getting ahead of ourselves. Mm-hmm. No, let's get into it because we've gone over all the all kids. Right, cool. let's, let's get, get into, into the into grandkids <laughs> and their separate <laughs> traumas that they now carry and how their superpowers develop. Um, <clears throat> but I want to point out just to begin with, let's get, uh, let's get Mirabelle out of the way. Mm-hmm. Because Mirabelle doesn't get a superpower. Mm -hmm. But if we're saying that all these superpowers have to do with different forms of uh, changing yourself to deal with anxiety or to deal with trauma, Mirabelle's the the mentally healthy one in the family. She's the one who, even though she doesn't have this trauma, she knows who she is and she 
you know, has a healthy, active life without the the need for this sort of trauma? Uh, I I I would say she's the she's the one that finally so she's the one that finally went to therapy and finally was the first person to address it and work with the therapist to realize like, Hey, there's, you know, like, Oh my gosh, there's trauma going on because, and the reason, and I might be wrong on this, but I noticed that in the beginning, like one of her things was she was always trying to make up with not having a power by always trying to be helpful. Mm -hmm. And she was really Mm -hmm. like overexerting herself, you know, which is nothing wrong being helpful, but, Obviously, like she was doing things and it really was like messing it up. Right. And to Mm -hmm. me, that resembled the, you know, the person generations later who goes around, who goes about their life. And like I stated earlier, at 26, all of a sudden they can't keep a stable relationship. You know, they're Mm -hmm. short to anger and they're Mm -hmm. just like, I don't like I'm not I've never I've never been a bully. I don't understand why now when I'm trying to, you know, I want to be married. I just my relationships never work. I'm always I always just feel like they're interrupting or whatever it is. And then you work with the therapist and it's like, oh, wow. okay, so this is the issue. My mom and my grandma before my grandma was in an abusive relationship and she took my mom and they left my grandfather. And since then, my grandmother couldn't fill that void. So my mom always felt anger at my grandmother but never, you know, resolved it and kind of just kept it to herself. And then I felt the effects of two generations of bitterness, unresolved bitterness. And I thought it was my fault. So I'm trying to reconnect with my mom who isn't showing that affection back. Now I was showing it, you know, trying to be better per se, I thought with my relationships, but it turns out I'm kind of, you know what I mean? Like it takes that mm-hmm. realization like, OK, yeah. this is where it's stemming from. So I feel like she did have the trauma. I think her version of trauma was trying to make up for not having powers until she. So it's like got the healthy the way of dealing yeah. with trauma yeah, she, is what she the, goes through. Yeah, she's the one that, you know, like I, I use this metaphor that went to the therapist and got it, you know, figured right. out like, hey, we have this thing going on and it's not just black and white, you know, there's right. so much mm-hmm. more we're missing as a family. Let's come on, let's get it together. You know, right. and, she's, and she's like, she's the yeah. complex one, right? She's the big piece yeah. of cake. Well, yeah. And she's like pushed into being that because she's the only one who's not given like an unhealthy coping mm-hmm. mechanism. Mm-hmm. We need, I think we need to go over the other grandkids and then we'll jump back to Mirabelle in comparison. Mm-hmm. And then I think we'll really get the point of all of this. Cause could, could I, I do, ask- Devin, just real quick, how much yeah. of this, sorry to derail you, Alex, but how much no. of this has to do with, um, there was something I learned in psychology class years ago. It was attachment theory, like how attached to your parents is how like stable you're going to be later in life. Is is that like out of fashion? Am I learning like something Freudian right now? Um, it's kind of gone I, out of there's fashion. There's definitely elements of that. Um, I think I, it was called attachment theory. I could yeah, be wrong. I, to a certain point, I, I'm kind of iffy, personally iffy with that, because I, I don't want to come on here and just say, if you're very attached to your parents, you're going to have this personality and all that. You know, every individual, um, every client is different. But sure. um, definitely, I do. There are signs of that in the movie. So like her attachment relationship with her parents um, obviously is 
a somewhat more different dynamic than you could say her mom, uh, what was her name? Julieta? Yeah. Yep. Ju- or Julie. Yeah. With, um, Abuela, cause you can almost guarantee that that the grandmother and mother relationship was very expected. Like the other kids kind of mm-hmm. like you have a gift and I'm happy for you, but it's because I, I wonder if the mother didn't have a gift, what their relationship would have been like, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so, and I, I, I would be willing to bet that behind scenes, you can only fit so much in a one hour, almost two hour movie, but yeah. behind the scenes, there was probably a point where the mom, you know, especially after having her daughter, it's just kind of like, okay, well, not that my daughter doesn't have a gift, you know, there's that kind of small disconnect. Like, mm-hmm. I was taught this, but now I'm experiencing this. So what's going on? That might be the reason but, why there's a little bit healthier a relationship there is because the ones who do have powers almost immediately fall under Abuela's like command. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like she's like, all right, now how are we going to use your powers to fix this? But when Maribel didn't get her powers, it was like, okay, I have no use for her. And then Maribel's mother actually got to step in and take that maternal role. Yeah. Um, and yeah. maybe that, that could be the reason who knows, but let's talk about the other grandkids um, just a little bit. Uh, where should we start? Where should we start? Luisa. Yeah, I like Luisa. Luisa, she's big Luisa? and strong. Luisa is big and strong. Strong. And I think that her crutch is pretty clear. Yeah. Oh, she's got. She's got a whole song about it. <laughs> yep. Oh, it's the it's the pressure she has to carry everything on her shoulders. Yeah, yeah. She's at the. She has. To. She's she is super open about what her trauma is. And how it manifests. She had the eye twitch, remember? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because her, I mean, her, her whole thing was like, she's physically strong, but that's because she has to be strong to carry all the burdens, all the anxieties, all the pressure. Like everything falls yep. on her. Yeah. And you got to you got to think well, about this, too. You can be physically strong and, you know, be the strongest of everyone. And, you know, oh, this person can't beat me or I'm. You know, I'm the leader and all that. I'm the let me do this and all that. But you also got to look at that true mental state because it, it takes it takes true that it takes a healthy balance of both. And I'd be willing to bet, like Alex, like you guys were saying, obviously she felt the anxiety and guilt of all that. Mm-hmm. But it also, I'd be willing, I, I from a therapist perspective would dive even deeper and be like. So how confident are you truly? Like you feel the anxiety because you feel like I'm the person that can do it. But I would be willing to ask a question. Is it that or is it because you truly feel like you can't for too like you can't too much longer or you really aren't doing it? But you're not going to come out and say you are doing it because people depend on you to do it. You see what I'm right. saying? So that that's another aspect I kind of took from that. I'm like, oh, she might feel like she can't do it. And it's yeah. just, you know so what she- I mean? Just putting that front out until one day someone is finally like, what are you doing? If someone ever does. Right. Well, cause like the moment that she can't do what she normally does just completely breaks down. Yeah. And that, yep. And you see that and that's what happens. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, Isn't that like the whole thing is like, you got to build, you got to destroy the house to build it back up brand new and better. Mm -hmm. Isn't isn't that kind of what therapy We'll get to it. That's the end of the movie. But but uh, I think that, I mean, I, I at least know someone personally who, like, 
they have to be the strongest. They have to be the answer. Everyone turns to them for the help. Mm -hmm. So they put all of this weight of everybody's stuff on them. And then ultimately, like, they end up feeling overwhelmed, but they can never tell anyone because they have to be the strong person. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what um, Louisa is. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I would be willing to see. Uh, it would be just interesting to see if the house never fell apart and like the events carried on for like years and years, how it would have played out with her. Because I think eventually, like Alex was saying, you carry that mental state of that for so long, even if you never lost your powers, it's going to come. That's going to burst at some yeah. point. So mm-hmm. it, you could have a you could have an alternate like a what if scenario and she ends up like becoming a villain of some sort. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. it's that rationality. She of, breaks. Yeah, she breaks and she's just like. So she's like, if anyone's going to break what's going on, it's going to be me. I'm just yeah, going to destroy exactly. everything. And exactly. that's where the relief's going to come exactly. from. I think that, well, that's a cool little theory I kind of just thought about. But yeah, I like that. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about just straight down the line. Uh, Mirabelle's other uh, sister, Isabella, Isabella, whose power is creating beautiful things, creating flowers, and she's the perfect golden child, and her power is beautiful, and Mm -hmm. she walks around being so perfect and creating such beautiful things, and everyone loves her for it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's her power, but ultimately we learn that being perfect is also its own burden yeah because she's basically set up to fail in the long run Mm -hmm. can you really be that perfect all the time i don't think so so. (laughs) nobody's perfect if you're trying to people if people out there they do they think that though yeah they just cover up their mistakes that's the thing they just put stucco on the you know (laughs) but you know you know it's it's i have seen scenarios where there are people that truly like even their mistakes they think like their perspective is that so my mistake is so much better than yours i'm i'm perfect yeah it's either like it's it's either that or it's like the mistake isn't actually mine it goes somewhere like it's from somewhere else yeah yeah they pin it on someone else yeah yeah. like Like, and that's kind of what happens like anytime something bad happens to uh isabella she blames it on mirabelle like it's mirabelle doing something wrong and Mm, now that's her problem and it's her, her fault Wow. I think that puts a nice bow on Isabella, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think that's 100% a correct. Symmetrical ribbon. <laughs> All right. <Bow>. Um, <laughs> so let's next talk about uh, the next oldest, who is Dolores. Dolores, yes. Dolores, who has super hearing and knows all of the gossip, and is constantly on top of yep. all of the gossip and... It constantly knows everything. I love and that that's... scene where, like, <laughs> what is she talking? She's talking to Louisa about, like, the thing. And she's like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, I hope no one heard that. And she's, like, across the hall. And she, like, whispers. She, like, she just goes, and she's like, oh. <laughs> <I> <laughs> she's <die."> like <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> off, off topic, but, but I love that scene. Now, Devin, this is an interesting one, because do you think there's a coping mechanism in a, like, flawed family patriarchy Mm-hmm. Where someone their their power over their trauma is knowing everything that's going on all the time, knowing all the dirt, knowing everyone's secret. What could that be? Um, I could see that. Um, you could have so if you have a you know a household and you have a pair of siblings, you can have one sibling that's kind of like 
all the everyone else in the family tells them everything. They're the person to go to. Mm-hmm. Like to, if you were to go to the mom, dad, brother, sister, other sister, other brother, they're the one. Like each of them would say, if I was going to trust anybody, it'd be Nick. You know what I mean? Like I can't trust mm-hmm. Michael because he's just going to talk about. Him. I can't it's trust true. Alex. Um, but Nick, and but then you go to Michael. Michael says the same thing. Well, I can tell Nick, but I'm not going to tell. Devin or Alex, you know, and vice versa. So, yeah, Alex, I think um, that that's definitely so from Nick's perspective of being a person that holds everything. That's a little interesting because that could come out in several ways. Nick could come out with a very egotistic personality and manipulate his way. So he Mm -hmm. could tell Michael, well, this is why Devin's not as good as you and why you know what I mean Alex this is why Alex isn't as good as you and then same thing with Alex you know um you could have that side of it you could also really have the you could really probably see I'm willing to bet that I would say she is more of the what we were talking about earlier merging with the parent trying to really she because she hears everything and know would know everything that's going wrong you feel that even if you're not the strongest or you're not the prettiest or perfect um you can only fix it for your parents because you you know you said i mean you know all the perspectives so I'm, i have to be the i'm the birth best person to fix it or you could be very shy and neglected of it you could feel this is too much who am i to help everyone and just not do anything. So I yeah. feel like she's kind of the jack of all trades. Which which it's, is kind of like the point so, that like Chloe brought up in our little chat here. Like she knows all about the gossip. She knows about the crack. She knows about Bruno. Like she knows about everything that's going wrong and all the deets, all the dirt, everything. And she doesn't do anything until Mirabelle comes forward and is like, something's wrong. And she's like, oh my God, finally someone said something. It's it's the straw on the camel's back, yeah, yeah. right? You just need a little so, straw and the camel's back goes, breaks. I was having an interesting thought as we were talking about this. Um, and I think that if we look at, if we look at this puzzle from just a different angle, we are going to start seeing some pictures form, which is if the original three kids are wanting to prove their worth or at least prove that they are worth uh, Abuela's time, mm-hmm. should we also assume that these grandkids are trying to prove their worth to Abuela as well? And in that case, you can think Isabella is proving that she's worth affection because she's perfect, and as long as she stays perfect, she gets that affection. Mm-hmm. As long as uh, Luisa's strong, she'll earn her affection. Mm-hmm. So she has to prove that she's worth it. And then, Cam- or, uh, sorry, um, Dolores... Uh, her her proof that she is, you know, worthwhile, worth affection is that she knows things. And I know she said nothing about Bruno, but if there's someone who's forthcoming with information that is being hidden, it's Dolores. She chimes in at every chance she gets. For example, when uh, Mirabelle's trying to hide the fact that she doesn't have powers, who's the one who butts in and goes, oh, she never got her powers and then saunters off. I don't know. And then who she- who tells Mirabelle that Louisa is her eye is twitching right because she can it, hear her she eye immediately, twitch <laughs> she immediately info dumps at almost every chance that she gets because that's how she proves her worth is by knowing these things yeah i don't i don't know if it's necessarily like a prove your worth situation or just like it feels more like she is burdened with knowing everything like no no i don't she's think it's burdened, a burden she's burdened with knowing about every bit of trauma she's burdened with like knowing about everything that's going on at all times and it's like 
to me, like her proof of worth is more so in like not divulging everything she knows is like well, not we revealing s- the cracks, that, not backing up. We the say people. we say that she didn't talk about Bruno, except she totally did. Like at the first <laughs> chance that she got, she had an entire verse. And we don't talk about Bruno where she dumped literally everything she knew about Bruno. Right. She's like, I can hear him in the walls. I can hear him like doing all this. I can always hear him sort of muttering and mumbling. I, I associate him with the sound of falling sand <laughs> because he's constantly Ooh. whispering in the walls and because he's throwing she, she salt said, over his shoulders. <laughs> and it sounds she like sand. said everything about what Bruno was up to in that song. Right, she, but she had to wait. Let the cat but out she had to wait until someone else brought it up. That's because exactly. if she just blurted out information, she doesn't have any worth. She has to prove that she's the person to go to if you're looking for information. Because if she was just like, hey, guys, Bruno's in the walls, they'd be like, OK. But if someone's <laughs> like, hey, what's up with Bruno? And she's like, come here. I know the information. I have worth. Here is what I, my value I, is that I have this information. I'm going like to tell that. you. I would mm. I would be I would be interesting, interested, you know, from a therapy perspective of seeing was there a time before the movie where, you know, maybe discovering her powers, she did try and say something preactively and yeah. like back in kind of Alex up, it was shut down. It was just yeah. kind of like, mm. oh, you know what I mean? Because that, that could have happened and, you know, and that's and like kind of what Alex is saying, that's what causes her to kind of just hold on to it until it's the right moment because... Or think looking about, at it kind of flipped was there a moment where she withheld information and then she was rewarded for giving that information up the kind of positive that, reinforcement yeah, yeah. of like exactly. oh if yep. i hold on to this if i hold my cards tight and i play it at the right moment i get a larger serotonin like boost because people are now excited mm-hmm. to have me around because i know this information mm-hmm. i don't know kind of interesting there's a lot of like avoidance going on and i don't know if that's like an actual psychological term or anything like that but the, there's the thing that comes to mind with uh, I know Devin's heard of this, but the Skinner box. Yeah, mm-hmm. they have the the mouses in the in the box, and they shock them all the time. I forget what that was for, but <laughs> it seems to me like if Nick, somebody, what are we getting at here, man? Can I just loop you in real quick? What are we talking about? Yeah, we're he's talking about operant conditioning. So if yeah, I so if I come on a word. podcast and every time I clap my hands, I say a Star Wars fact, right? Okay. By the 300th episode, when I clap my when I come on the podcast and clap my hands, what are you going to expect? People are going to yeah. expect the Star Wars. Yeah, it's exactly. the whole like, yeah, thing from yeah. the office okay. where Jim yeah. restarts his computer and gives Dwight yeah, an outlet yeah, every yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I see what you're the saying now, Nick. Yeah, I would say that is a like lot the of... bad thing happens every time you do the, the thing, and then you get punished for it. So you, you want to like avoid Bruno. doing the thing. Yeah. yeah, you become like Bruno, pretty much, because you avoid the, sure. the pain. Yeah. So I think that in a world where they didn't have these powers these traits would naturally happen as they learn these lessons. Like as they learn, oh, if I fix these problems, then I'm seen as worthy or, oh, as I give information, I'm seen as worthy. So I'm going to try to get all the information I can listen to everything. Uh, Oh, as long as I like prove that I'm perfect, I'm, I'm worthy. Things like that. Mm -hmm. We have a couple more cousins to get through. So we'll do that real quick. Let's talk about Camilo, which is literally his power is to be a chameleon. He can fit in. He can be anyone. He can be any, he can literally be anyone at any moment. Yeah. Which is creepy. its own. It's its own. Th- and he's like the laid back one who seemingly doesn't care if people like him or not. Yeah. Which is just interesting because movie. Because <laughs> if, if this person now, if his coping mechanism is literally being whoever you want him to be at any point, then he doesn't have to prove anything to you because he'll just trick you into liking him. Yeah. So I, I really resonate with him um, personally, like being able to. So one thing being in, 
as a, you know, studying therapy and becoming a psychologist, you really have to be self-aware um, of your own tendencies, not perfect, but you have to know your own triggers. You have to know the things, you know, that go on with yeah. you I've, so that if it comes out in someone else, you're able to be aware of that and separate that consciousness. Yeah, so I've had, I've had with bad that, therapists who can't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It really, it really, if you, if you cannot, yeah, that's a whole different, <laughs> y'all right. can bring me back on when y'all want to talk <laughs> just about therapy, but um, yeah, I, I, because personally with me as a um, therapist, that's the one thing in my baggage that I have to self-check myself on. I, it's always fun. I always tell people they're like, not to say this in a cocky sense, but really in my lifetime, I cannot really recall once where I've ever been truly, truly at odds with anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, used to growing up, used to think that was a marvelous thing. I used to always think that was me being a good human being. That was me treating everybody with respect. Mm-hmm. You know, later on, finally addressing it, realizing that internally, I have somewhat of a fear of truly being myself around other people. Because mm-hmm. what if this particular group or this particular family doesn't like how I really am? So it's I learned over the years to just hold that back and fit in. However, sometimes that comes with being silent in certain scenarios. Sometimes that comes with being funny. It comes with if I feel like someone needs me, a particular person needs me to be tougher. I've learned how to pull that out. So I kind of I got to resonate with him and kind of can see that. But. I see the flaws of that because the flaw of that is I can guarantee you, uh, Camilo, right? That's his Mm -hmm. name. I guarantee you there's so much stress and internalized going in his mind because I deal with it every day. Like he is tired 24 seven because no matter who you're with, unless he has a specific group of people he feels he is able to be comfortable with. You're constantly wearing another hat. You're constantly internalizing what this person is saying and making sure you're fitting their preferences, what they want. Yeah. So you're not, a you, you know, you're not being disruptive. So I, I kind of, yeah, it's gotta be tough. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of, I, I, I resonate with him. Uh, you know, the, I think he's the grandkid. I probably would say I like the most just because I have that personal connection. Right. And like what's funny, too, about that is like when I remember that when I watched the movie and I walked away, I was like, wow, a lot of those characters had a lot of problems. I really like Camilo, though. He seemed like a really cool, fun guy. <laughs> well, that's what he wanted you <laughs> right, to think. Exactly. And I was just like the more I thought of it, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they did this. They did this on purpose. And I'm like, it's like seeing the Matrix. Is, uh, oh, there goes a light bulb. Yep. Every t- every. <laughs> five minutes i'm like yeah yeah you guys are right yeah i just got a cute little picture movie what do i know <laughs> i think this next one's gonna be the hardest one to crack and i think devin's gonna have to do the majority of the talking here <laughs> to explain us through how this fits into our theory that we built mm-hmm. okay because antonio talks to animals okay he's eliza thornberry who cares <laughs> next, no, I'm, kidding. I'm kidding i'm kidding have it's you missed the last hour that, of us talking i wish i had no <laughs> I don't know. 
his, his thing really seemed like it was like your he didn't solo fit laugh is going to be really cool for the podcast where you just <laughs> yeah. make that joke and then you laugh for three seconds by yourself as we all sit here this is funny this is my coping mechanism i'm just gonna throw humor at it until it goes away love that haven't you so learned why anything dude, why is this dude talking to animals I don't know, what's for, up for me for me it was that like he didn't really get along with anyone else in the family besides Mirabelle. Like, mm. his, so like it really felt like his coping mechanism was seeking out others. Detachment yeah. from the family and just seeking companionship in other things. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you, you got, you got sure sold you, baby. I'm about to say, you got sure you don't want to enroll in being <laughs> in school and being therapists. I mean, you guys sound like you're kind of, no, see, we're messed up. That's why we can do this. We are mentally gone. That's why we can recognize it. <laughs> There's two little brain cells tripping away in my head. Yeah. And that's all that's left. Um, no, I think you guys are, um, <laughs> I think you guys game. are game um, that's so good. on spot with that. Um, yeah, just, you know, he's the most detached, obviously. You really don't see anyone really. And the most you see is when it's time for him to do what's expected of everyone in the family and everyone's interested and he does it. And they're like, oh, okay. But yeah, kind of like that, you know, the kid it makes that's sense. That to be side is just kind of like, oh yeah, we love him, but. I mean, yeah. we, well, we were concerned concerned with And he would have that else. trauma because he had all that pressure because Mirabelle didn't get right, her powers. Yeah. Like he, he was scared he's walking one, up to he, that he's door. He's the one who came immediately after Mirabelle and had all the anxiety and pressure that was left over from Mirabelle not living up to expectations. Now it's like his job to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, just, just to throw something else in there, there's also a form of biological trauma where not only can you, obviously like the most common is inheriting from like immediate families like a grandparent you know parent Mm -hmm. there's also very a lot of cases where you inherited from another member even a non-member but that is closely associated in your family so Hmm. i mean him you know that that kind of what made me think of that is the trauma of being like well crap if i don't have a gift i see what happened you know like And leading up into getting the gift, he was living that trauma. Like he was basically already putting himself in that position. Like, right. Well, man. He, was, he was finding support yeah. in a person who went and had that trauma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. He, to okay. the point where so, he even needed Mirabelle to walk him down the the carpet to the door. Mm-hmm. 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 That was kind of yep. cute. It was very cute. This movie yeah. in general is very cute. It's very so cute. that's the family, Madrigal. So let's talk about the ending of the movie and what maybe it means Mm -hmm. uh, and what this family has moving forward. So the candle provides the power to these people. We'll assume the candle is trauma because she picks up the candle literally where the Mm -hmm. traumatic event happened. Mm -hmm. The candle is trauma. It's what grants these people their gifts, their things that make them special. The the trauma, quote unquote, the candle also provides the magical house um, or the thing that keeps them together. Physically. Yep. And and the well mountain that separates them from the outside world. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, so when this candle goes out, this trauma so here's- uh, stops providing these people powers, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, when when the veil is, is pulled aside and they're forced to face the trauma head on, the house crumbles. Their protection is gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in that moment, the the low point of the movie, the family basically seems destroyed. 
Yeah. Well, like leading up to it, even like Abuela is like our family is falling apart because the house mm-hmm. is falling apart. Mm-hmm. The house divided against itself cannot stand. Mm-hmm. So ultimately what happens is uh, they reconvene after um, trying to remember the movie. Who runs off? They're looking for something. Uh, Mirabelle. Mirabelle runs off because she thinks she Mirabelle caused it. Mirabelle runs off. And so and they, everyone's they spend the her. night looking for her. And Abuela, and Abuela is the first finds one. her. Yeah, Abuela is the first. At first. the site of the trauma. Yes. Ooh. Yes. And she says, this is the first time I've been here since we lost your grandfather. <laughs> and it's in that moment that Mirabelle gets it, I think. And this yeah. is the breakthrough moment in therapy, I would say. Devin, and you may think I'm right or wrong, but uh, it's the moment where she realizes the problem. And where it started. Yeah. She sees the butterfly, the little yellow butterfly yep. on the on the stream. Yeah, the mm-hmm. Bruno tells her and, to chase. Yep. It's the the yeah. aha moment, you know. The, the aha moment. The, oh, like and, the oh, this is I all this time, you know, this is what was going on. Yeah. Now that I know that, you take the necessary therapeutic steps to address that, and then the correct house is built. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and you know. they like her grandmother in that moment breaks down and like puts down her walls and they have like a meaningful conversation. And then, like you said, the community bands together to not let magic build this house, but instead build it by hand through hard work. Yeah. And the house is built again. Mm-hmm. Um, And then once Mirabelle touches the door, the house becomes magic again. Mm-hmm. The foundation uh, changes from it, trauma to that hard work and love put in together and support. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Do they all get their powers back? Yeah. So everybody gets their powers back. Yeah, they do. Did they? Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure. I yes, remember yes, them... because the sister at the end was still doing like the colorful flowers or yeah, and like yeah, the house yeah. even like magically talks quote, yeah. quote unquote talks to them and yeah, yeah, they did. I want to say yeah, I just this might be right or this might not be right, but in my in my head they showed the movie to. Uh, like a, a a test audience, and they were like, "What do you think?" And everybody was like, "They don't get their powers back at the end. Why wouldn't they get their powers back?" And the writers <laughs> didn't go, "You don't understand. What, the what powers were bad. They didn't need the powers. I don't know. The powers are bad. They need to work through the I powers and not have that. them at the end. I, I disagree exactly. I because then the, the pr- test audience was like, "This is a Disney movie. Give them back their powers." And they were Give like, "You're right. Fine. Ending. Give them their powers." I, I, but I think it would have been more powerful if they didn't get. Them I don't back. know. I disagree with that because I think that like. The, it's kind of going back to what I said earlier, like in comparison with like their powers to like the good parts of like having ADHD, like a lot of it is learning how to cope and deal with the trauma that you have. And by just getting rid of the powers, you're getting rid of the trauma. The trauma still is there. And it's just them. They have now figured mm-hmm. out how to properly and healthily deal with that and cope with it. So they still get these great things that that trauma did per, did accidentally give them kind of. But I see what you're saying. Like, yeah. And like they're, they're still gifts. They're still good things. It's just now that like they know how to deal with the underlying issues that formerly served as the foundation for those gifts. Yes. And I think that it's important to note that like in Bruno's uh, like prediction, it was that everything would be fixed when she hugged her sister. Mm-hmm. Right. But really, that moment is more about Isabel understanding or sorry, Isabella understanding that um her powers don't have to be used for her grandmother. She can use them for her. Yeah. 
And I think that is why it's powerful that at the end they still have their powers is because they're no longer using them to avoid trauma. Instead, they're now using them to strengthen their own identity, which is important. Yep, exactly. Yes. And I think the reason why when Mirabelle touches the door, the house becomes magic again and they get their powers back is because she ultimately was the reason why this family is now powerful once more. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, which is great. I was reading, and an that's article. in Canto. Sorry, I was reading an article no, about uh, on CNN that I sent you guys before, because um, apparently, yeah, we're upset about that because we had this idea first, and then you sent I, us that article, and we were I like, know. okay, CNN beat us to it. I'm sorry, which was a, a bad day. Don't don't go read the article; it's trash, and you shouldn't read it anyways. But what the article said was <laughs> that Mirabelle is acting as the family's glue, and oftentimes you don't see the person that might be the glue in a family mm-hmm. because. That's what they do. They hold the family together. And then the moment that the glue is gone, the family kind of falls apart. You yeah. don't have any more families. So um, I don't know. Just an interesting thought that came up. Nobody mentioned that before. That's interesting. Yeah, that's that's a definitely a variation that I could see happening. You know? It's not a psychological thing or a, or a biological trauma thing that's passed down. It's just... A thing that may or may not be there that I read in a CNN article. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that. Take it for what it's worth. Uh, yeah, CNN do be having articles. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good closer. <laughs> so, uh, Devin, what do you think? How do you think we did here? Um, I think you, I mean, you guys were on point. Give us a like, you, you really, you really didn't, uh, need me. Um, incorrect. No, we needed yeah, to be told granted, that we were on the right path. You know, you know, you granted, did exactly not, what a therapist like said, does I'm, and you led us through the very still, twisted um, maze. I'm still young in my career and man, myself, like I still have tons and tons, a lot more to learn, you know, in this field. But the, like I said, the, the, the reason I really, I'm glad you guys brought me on, first of all, because uh, it's just, it happens to be that really biological trauma um, is really my main focus right now and my emphasis in therapy. Um, I personally, I see it, experience it all the time. So, you know, it just, it's just, it's a, I also just from a therapist perspective am just really gifted and blessed with the ability to really connect with most people I come in, you know, contact with. Um, so I really do think it's an interesting field and I really can only hope and advocate that going forward as a society, we really recognize it because I really do think it can solve a lot of issues. I think a lot of times, like right now, the real stigma is, well, it's just how I am, you know, or we mm-hmm. just go, well, that's just how my grandma is. So I just need to ignore. Well, not necessarily, you know, like that you don't have to change. A person is who they are. Like, but you can analyze when it's something that can be done, then it's just like, okay, it's not hurtful with someone's personality. You know, personality mm-hmm. and then a trait that's not preferred are two different things and yeah. i think as a society we can do a better job and i'm going to do my part you know advocating more about that and recognizing the difference between those two yeah like it's the whole like <laughs> no, that's a great way to end. yeah I, I i agree with that yeah yeah there's lots of good stuff yeah. there no wait michael sorry what did you have 
it's the whole debate between like experience versus like biology nature that's yeah 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 it's like a person's personality and their deal their issues and whatnot there it's like a person is much more than that it is it is what they have experienced in their own trauma and even the trauma that was before them like from their family members and we're all just like a big cascading ball of trauma and we just got to remember that when dealing with people and not such a cool way to end the episode yeah i wasn't expecting you to cut it off there and expecting to be more of a conversation yeah Okay, but we're at a minute and twenty. We're like at an hour and twenty minutes. Yeah, but I like <laughs> having hours, Devin on here. He's great. <laughs> Give me more Devin. I and we I have do, to do, a, do, and we have to like, do a quick this. I'm about to say I do feel like whenever I come on, I always end up talking too much. I do. I do feel like that. You I don't do talk enough. Like, no, you don't like, like, like the entire time I was thinking here, like, oh man, I feel like we're just talking more than Devin is. I really want to give him more time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I Devin think Devin podcast. Like I kind of said, I think <laughs> when it came to Devin being here, it was a lot of like what a therapist would do, which is like leading us down the right paths, and then us exploring those, and then looking for confirmation in him. Yeah. So he did a great job <laughs> uh, in this group therapy session that we had is that about how we doing? were affected wow. by Encanto. <laughs> I tell you what, though, this is the easiest uh, group therapy um, I have experienced <laughs> so far because in a lot of practice. In a lot of practicals and other scenarios, trust yeah. me, it doesn't go this easy. Nick is cussing out Alex <laughs> half the time. Michael, Michael's getting up saying F this. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, now we just got to figure out if you cover all, each of our insurances. <laughs> we'll find You're out. Uh, uh, no. Do I get the family discount? <laughs> actually, actually, anyway. quote, 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 actually, I need to say that too. This, I, this is not actual therapy. I was yeah. not providing actual therapy. So, because listen, listen. No, no, no. They will. Huge, the fact that Alex there, just yeah. said, do I get the family discount? They will come after me and take away. It's not really <laughs> therapy. <laughs> it is not We're really just therapy. talking. This didn't involved. solve anything. I, I probably do need to put a disclaimer in there. I don't know if I need to record that or not, but I'm not giving anybody any professional, like, actual, like, advice or anything. I'm just more right. so stating my opinion. After um, we close the show, we'll add. Well, Nick will add it in. Yeah, Nick will yeah, add it in in the yeah, intro. Yeah, or something. Yeah. Lawyers, People will have it. heard that now. We're in twenty-one minutes ago. About to, Don't worry <laughs> about it. Over. Get the big old disclaimer. Because yeah. the ACA yeah. would be like, "Were you just on entertain this, giving professional advice?" And it, and first no. of all, it was online. You're done. <laughs> no, it wasn't real therapy. We're talking about fake characters and their made-up trauma. Anyway, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back after this musical interlude created by DJW, we're going to do a quick this. Nick, you got a quick this? Oh, it's, oh, uh, uh, yeah. It's not starting yet. I'm, this is this is the transition. The transition's happening right now. Okay, great. Okay, well, it was going to happen just now, but then you said, okay, great. So then it couldn't happen, but it's going to happen right now. And we're back. Hey, do you have a quick this for us, Nick? Why? Yes, I do. Great. Let's hear it. Can I have a timer, please? Yep. Well, I only have one hand to operate this right now, so here we go. You ready? Okay, just boop it with your nose. You ready? Three. <laughs> no, he's gonna get the nose grease if he does Three, that. <laughs> two, one, go! I did it. Hey, you did it. Nice. The start of any new year is a strange time, especially this one. I don't know if you felt this too, but it, it almost seems like we're floating in a strange in-between state. The calendar might say 2022, but to me, it still feels like 2021. And if we zoom out a little to even a wider view, it seems like we've been stuck in 2020 since March of 2020. 
it feels like we're floating in a strange in-between time from the time of the start of the pandemic to the light at the end of the tunnel that we still haven't experienced yet. And we get to get back to whatever normal looks like. But until then, we wait. And waiting is really just the parts of our lives in between the good stuff. It's transitory, of course. Nobody waits forever. But when you think about it, everything in this world is kind of transitory. The buildings we build, the recordings we make, the shopping malls that we use to roam. All these things will eventually go away and will be lost ever, forever in the sands of time. But that's why nostalgia can be so gripping. Because no matter how hard you try to go back in time, you can never be in that same place again. Or can you? Cue the Vsauce music. <laughs> the idea of liminal space is simple. It plays upon our brain's sense of things and weaves in a sense of nostalgia. And you also get a little sprinkle of creepiness. You cook all that in an oven for 40 minutes and ding, you got yourself a lovely liminal space pie. Briefly, let me define liminal space. It is, uh, quote, a location which is a transition between two other locations or states of being. Typically, these are abandoned and oftentimes empty. For example, an abandoned mall at 4 a.m. or an empty school hallway or a waiting room with nobody in it. This makes it feel frozen in time and slightly unsettling, but also in some way familiar to our minds. Even the Latin root for liminal, lemon, means uh, threshold. Now, I know you've seen a photo from an old abandoned mall and thought, hey, I've been there before, but you couldn't tell me when or with who you were with. You just have that nagging, burning memory in the back of your head that thinks that you were there at some point. But something's wrong. Something's off and you can't put a finger on it. But maybe it just, it isn't sitting right with you. Something is wrong about this photo. And it's that wrongness or offness that makes liminal space photos so interesting to look at. And you may know me as somebody that generally steers clear from things that are scary or spooky. And yet I absolutely love these creepy photos on the liminal space subreddit. And I've been trolling that subreddit for many months now. It all started when I stumbled upon a video by Solar Sands on YouTube talking about this very subject of liminal space. And he tried, uh, he tied this all back to one of the most famous liminal spaces of all time, the back rooms, which I believe has its own SCP page or something of that nature. Or maybe it just started on 4chan where all terrible things start. But the back rooms is defined as, quote, what you see when you no-clip out of reality. And no-clip for, for you non-gamer folks mean you phase out of the, the floor. You phase below the floor or something like that. No clipping. You, yeah, you don't you clip, clip with objects. Yeah. <laughs> you clip through something that's solid mm -hmm. and you shouldn't do that. Um, but the back rooms are where there's nothing but the the stink of old moist carpet, the the madness of mono yellow, the endless background noise of fluorescent lights at maximum hum buzz, and approximately 600 million square miles of randomly segmented empty rooms to be trapped in. And God save you if you hear something wandering around nearby because it sure as hell has heard you. So that, that's a little creepypasta. If you, if you read some of these uh, back rooms type of uh, creepypastas, you're and you're alone, then... <laughs> in for a should, bad time. Should, yeah, you're in for a bad time. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> so that's some creepy pasta to, to haunt you for a while. But if if you really just are looking for some creepy nostalgia, there's the Liminal Space subreddit, which is r slash Liminal Space. It's a good place for you. If you don't feel like reading all that, you just want to experience some creepy photos, which which I definitely uh, like to experience. And uh, if you're if you're into that sort of thing, don't hesitate to send us some liminal space pictures either. I'm certainly down for seeing some creepy stuff that are near your neck of the woods as well. 
So in conclusion, uh, nothing is permanent. Everything is liminal. Try to enjoy the places that are around you because tomorrow they might be gone in a snap. And try not to no clip out of reality because you might drop into my bedroom when I'm sleeping and I'm a monster if I don't get my 40 winks. You've been warned. I'd like to close this uh, by reading a 4chan post, but I see that I'm out of time. So I will not <laughs> read be the reading post, that. you coward. Okay, I'll read it. Hold on, I gotta open it. It's a it's a 4chan post that was posted on onto the Reddit. Anyways, it's by a user um, who goes by the name of Lemon Lime All the Time. So I will now begin my 4chan reading. Be me. <laughs> 2014 or so, mid-20s, driving to a meat shop in a nearby city for a specific cut of meat. See a fucking honest-to-God Kmart. Knock, knock, it's 1995, bitch. Immediately pull in. Maybe four cars there. Go in. That smell hits me instantly. A smell I can't describe, and this sounds crazy, but it smelled like before 9-11, if that makes sense. I browse every aisle. They have new things, but also some old ones. Electronic departments, signage, advertising game, boy colors, and Nintendo 64s. Had accessories for both, but no consoles left. A few new TVs with some old TV-VCR combos. I can't describe how surreal this was. It was like a fever dream. Felt like it was in the mid-90s again. I mean, even the air, the way time flowed, I can't explain it. I shit you not, as I browsed the ancient garden supplies they played, Everybody Walk the Dinosaur. Genuinely think that I might have warped into another dimension. Buy some body wash. Cashier rings me up. Receipt prints in a super old printer makes that weird worse noise. The POS was a fat old school monitor. Leave and feel weird the rest of the day. Go back a month later. Stores closed. True poetry. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, that's Liminal Space. Go check it out. Um, I think you might find it interesting. Nice. I want to end this before I do all of our call-outs by saying, how dare our guest Devin send me what seems to be a leaked cast list (laughs) of Multiverse of Madness while in the middle of a podcast, because whatever Nick just read... I did not hear a wink of it. I was too busy <laughs> drooling on myself. So that was cool of him. If you have liminal space pictures that you want to send us, can I tell you a great place you can send them to? How about our email? It's entertainthispodcast at gmail.com or you can go to our website. It's www.entertainthis.net. Scroll away to the bottom. There's a questionnaire you can fill out. If you have suggestions for our show, you can send them there. Or you can hit us up on Instagram if you feel like it. We're entertain this podcast on Twitter. We're entertain underscore this. You can find us on Facebook. We are podcast entertain this. Take you straight to our page. A lot of cool stuff happening over there. As always, entertain us so we can entertain you. And you can entertain this. Thanks for coming on, Devin. Bye, everybody. Bye. Special thanks to our guest, Devin, for coming on the show. Additional commentary was provided by Alex Steele, Nick Mustakangas, and Michael Savoya. Our showrunner, resident pack checker, is Chloe Price. Our theme music is Rush Bubble by Aaron Spencer with interstitial music by DJW. Tune in every Friday for new episodes, and thanks for listening.